0: standing in the midst of a crooked generation, a perverse generation. I'm talking from the book of Isaiah, the 57th chapter. And uh, in that chapter, we discuss that he said, The righteous perish, and no man layeth it to heart. And merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. He shall enter into peace, and they shall rest in their beds, each one walking in his uprightness. But draw near hither, ye sons of a sorceress, the seed of adulterer, and the wh- and the whore. Against whom do ye sport yourselves? Against whom make ye a wide mouth, and draw out the tongue? Are ye not children of transgression, a seed of falsehood, inflaming yourselves with idols under every green tree? slaying the children in the valleys under the clefts of the rock. Among the smooth stones of the stream is thine portion. A drink offering is poured out. Even to them has thou poured out a drink offering. Thou hast offered a meat offering. Should I receive comfort in in thee? Here, he's talking, he's bringing indictment against the people that he's talking to which are the people of Judah, which is his church, which is his chosen people, because they've reached a point. And I see that, uh, looking at that this week and the time ahead, you know, uh, that's in the past, in the last few months or whatever, that we are in the midst of a perverted generation, but he allowed us to stay here. He kept us in the world, and you were reading... Just now, from who was the book of Luke or whatever, about uh, that he was talking to the people in parables. Well, here he's talking to actually two groups of people, and in, in the second group of people that come in about the 14th verse, he says, and he said, and shall say, Cash ye up, cash ye up. Prepare the way, take up the stumbling block out of the way of my people. For thus saith the Lord, the high and lofty one that inhabited eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite heart and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend forever, neither will I always be wroth. For the spirit should fall before me, fail before me, and the souls which I have made. For the iniquity of his covetousness was I wroth and smote him. I hid me and was wroth, and he went on frowardly in the way of his heart. So here he's talking about his people that were in the world that he allowed to go astray, that he allowed uh, the to be mixed with the, too different with the seed of the earth. In other words, he had sown his, uh, planted his garden, his vineyard of choice vines, of choice uh, seed. But the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. When the enemy came and sowed tares amongst the wheat, he allowed them to grow together. All of them grow together, came up as we grow in life or whatever, but His purpose was still being made clear throughout, from the beginning, nothing hinders or changes God's plan. He had said in the beginning, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So we see here where some, the seed of the adulterous and the whore and the the tares, have had a religious influence on the people of God. And that's why I say standing in the midst of a perverted generation. And the whole earth has become corrupt. And that's why he said he would destroy the earth and that the earth is passing away. This world is passing away. And he's talking about this world order, the the order of this world. And this world is not understood by, well, God's people, how can I say this? God's people had a relationship with this world. But those that are born again or those with a new heart, he's changing the relationship. He's removing the stumbling block. Now, to, to some, that stumbling block is left. Jesus Christ is that stumbling block. He's the block that was laid in Zion that some would stumble over. And with Christianity, we see today a lot of people are not understanding because in this age of misinformation and disinformation just what he said would happen has happened false prophets and the spirit of antichrist has become abundant and we're living in the last days so what we have to do is those of us that he's regenerating and have the new birth and are fortunate to hear his word those of us that are blessed his hear his word to be converted and blotted out, our lives change and we start becoming what God wants us to become. But the world doesn't change. The world doesn't understand and the world doesn't see. So it may be those within your family, those within around your job or wherever it may be, and especially those in the church that don't understand don't understand God and they're continuing on to be destroyed because that's their destination and that's their faith. They are tares. There's no changing tares into wheat. Uh, Goats and the sheep and those that are chosen of God. But those in the church, some have been called but they hadn't been chosen. So, Thus, we have a lot of people playing Christianity, a lot of people have, that are false professors or whatever. We must stand in the midst of that perverted generation, and God's people develop a fear of him. And this morning, I'm not preaching, but I, I more or less want to teach or summarize some of the teachings that we're lacking to try to get you back on track, to get you focused, because that's the church's job that's the church's job is to present the saints of god without a spot or a wrinkle it's just like the job of your parents your parents job is to raise you and the fear and admonition of the lord and keep you as a family and within that family they have different precepts rules or statues or Regulations, and, and I'm about to go over that because it's a physical being being raised in the world. But when God regenerates you, those vices change to virtues, begin to change to virtues because we move from being an adulterous generation, a generation of idolaters, a generation that's hooked up to sorcery or whatever, We pull off the old man. We pull off the old being. We're being made new. We're being quickened or made alive in Christ Jesus. He doesn't take us out of the world. He leaves us in the world. When in the world, he creates a hunger and a thirst for him, for his righteousness, because he imputes his righteousness to us when we hear through the word of faith, through preaching, and that we're born again. Then he starts to generate or regenerate you and make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. Uh, Genesis 18 and 20, 18 chapter, 2030 20, to 25th verse says, Abraham approached the Lord and said, Will you really sweep away the righteous, those who do right with the wicked, with those who do evil? Suppose there are fifty righteous people within the city, will you really sweep it away and not spare it for the sake of the fifty righteous? Who are in it? For be it from you to do such a thing to strike the righteous with the wicked. So the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from from be from you, shall not the judge of the all of the earth do right by ex- executing judgment and righteousness? So God's justice is according to His righteousness and His holy character. Psalms one nineteen and one seventy two defines righteousness as all of your commandments are righteousness those commandments reflect a right of writing the character of God what God's character is like so here abraham petitions god not to destroy so we see here god god's plan is continuing to be done and abraham trying to intercede because God had came down and said he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He had seen for himself. He said he would come down to examine to see as things would be as such that it it was. And they were extremely wicked. They were as wicked as we are today. And God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And there Abraham pleads with a precept. And I'm trying to get I was pulling that precept out of there about living a righteous life, we living righteousnessly. And what has happened that those that are of sin, those of us that are fleshly or carnal, cannot live righteousnessly. God has to impute his righteousness to us, or we'll end up. Using our own righteousness And that would be our gauge That would be our uh, What we would use as a standard Or whatever Our righteousness And our righteousness is as filthy rags So that's what's going on In the world system And what God has to do He has to quicken us And wake us up And make us alive We have a spiritual birth We are born again as sons of God. And that's when we take his yoke upon us and learn of Christ. Because Christ is the author and the finish of our faith. And faith cometh by hearing the word of God. So that's why I started this off with saying that we must preach and teach the word of God. But teaching and preaching is so paramount because... That's what builds you, taking heed and listening into the instruction of the Word of God and being a doer of that Word, because that's what changes your character in you is by actually doing the Word of God. Now, he had given you teachers, and Isaiah was a teacher, and that's what happened here. They scoffed and mocked God's preachers, and that's what they're doing today. They consistently have scoffed and mocked God's teachers, and pro- prophets and preachers because they don't understand God. They don't know God. They have made God. They have a God in their own image and likeness. They have another Jesus, but this Jesus is that stumbling block. Yes. And we accept in the world for the way it is now going about in our own righteousness. And what it is, it's a perverted generation. It's a misunderstood generation that don't know God. And what Satan has done, his ministers has been transformed into ministers of light. So that's why we see a political union with a religious order now, which forms a a beast world system. That's what I tell you, when we've seen that this nation has went religious-political, which is an awful alliance because they're speaking the word of God. I read some of the things that they were saying about Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House or whatever. All of those are good tenets and precepts that he advocate. But the problem is a flawed messenger. The messenger cannot be flawed. A lot of people follow our former president, and that's the religious wing of the party that's taken over the Republican Party. But it's flawed messengers. It's a hypocritical nation. It's hypocritical leadership because they're not converted. They're not children of God. And that's what we see in Revelations. A lot of the leaders and people in the church, Jesus speaks to those churches and tell those churches, they need to repent. He knows what they're doing good. So what some of the people are advocating, the message is all right. But you don't understand or know the message or can grasp the precept behind the message. It has to be precept upon precept, line upon line. It can't be contradictory. And that's what they're doing. They're causing Christianity to be contradicted. They're causing God's name to be blaspheming. Because that's why he said, when he gave gave us the law, he said, he had given the law, but then grace and truth came through Jesus Christ because the law within the law, they couldn't keep the law. It was weak through the flesh, And that's the same thing as doing that. That's why I say you can't have a political system coming in and saying that they go and force Christianity, that they go and force their religious beliefs because now what are you doing is you even worse, you become the oppressor because it's uh, a many a call, but what about those that God didn't make that way? You're trying to make a, a snake or a, a goat be a sheep, and they're not. So what you create is wolves in sheep's clothing because they have to exist. Yes. If a person don't want to do wrong, right, the most we, worst place that they could be is in the kingdom of God. Because God's laws are not written on their heart And they're not seeking to please God But seeking to please man And seeking to please themselves Because they hadn't been converted So everyone that's not converted They can hear the message Like if you notice all of the religions All of those carry good ideas Religious people do have good ideas and everything But the belief system The correctness and the precepts within the belief system is the problem. That's why Jesus is central and it's everything to the message. It's everything. Everything lies in Jesus Christ. And he's, he has to be that focus. He has to be where your faith lies at. So we here, we're, uh, here we're talking about Abraham and righteousness. In um, living in a per- perverse generation in which God moves his people out of perverse situations sometimes. And as he removed the translated Enoch Because of the wickedness of the earth at that time. Amongst the prophets, when the schools of the prophets and everything start proliferating. and We see Isaiah, Elijah taken out of the way. As we see religion proliferating today, a lot of the good preachers, a lot of the righteous members, a lot of the people are being moved out of the way because of the wickedness to come. But those that are born again or those that uh, uh, hadn't been born again, they're not considering what is happening. And I don't think they're able to or whatever because God hadn't given them a heart to believe or open their eyes where they can see or open their ears to where they can hear. So he says, study to show yourself approved. In the Great Commission, he told his disciples to go out making disciples, teaching and preaching. And baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ. So the church's job. Is for the perfecting of the saints. That the body of Christ would be. Without a spot or a wrinkle. And that he could present it to himself. As a chaste version. So in reading scripture. What is a tenet? A tenet. The word tenet. T-E-N-E-T. Is a principle of a belief, a doctrine gen- generally held to be true, especially, and one held in common by members of our organization. So there's certain tenets within Christianity that we hold as true, and it's by faith. It, it's by faith that these tenets, because you can't prove God. God doesn't... Stick his head out there and say, look, this is me. This is a solid fact. I am God. Hmm. In other words, it's a belief. You have to have a belief. And when Jesus Christ came and the word of God was preached, it removed from trust and belief to having faith. He's the object of our faith because he came in and he was a living example what children of God is. So for those of us who believe that we're not part of the adulterous woman, we're not part of the sorcery, we're not of this world is that we've been born again. He gives us a different if you want to call it an ideology, a focus, a way of looking at things. In other words, we're born again and now we cry abba father because why? This is our food. This is our necessary food. And we hunger and thirst after the word of God. And that's why down in that uh, 14, starting at the 14th verse there, it says, He removed the stumbling block out of the way, for thus says the high and lofty one in that inhabited eternity whose name is holy. With him also is a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite one. Those that are broken, life breaks us. Mm-hmm. God, through circumstances, bring things in our lives to break us. Mm-hmm. And then we realize that we can't do it. We start seeing that we are unworthy of pleasing God. We're unworthy of living the right way. We must depend upon an outward source. And that outward source, that focus, that focus, the, That's why he sent Jesus a living example, that if we believe on him and that he died for us, his physical death actually was our death, that our sins was laid upon him and transferred upon him, and that we believed upon him that this has occurred, and then that we were resurrected in him. That's why the resurrection is so important. That when God raised him from the dead, because why? He was a righteous man. He wasn't, didn't deserve death. And death came to him, Satan, b- murderous man. God allowed the, the determinate counsel of God to allow men to murder a righteous and an innocent man. That was the Lamb of God. So in, in him, he was the type Of of the man that God was going to make. In other words, Christ Jesus is our type, our Adam. So we were once in the man Adam. Mm -hmm. Physically, we were in that man Adam. Every man born is born in that corporate head Adam. But through this union, a physical union, that's why marriage is important. Marriage is very important and it's sacred and and sex is consecrated, blooms in marriage. There's no such thing as meaningless or casual sex because with the sex act, birth something comes about. That's why I say I don't know what the original sin, what metaphor, what it stands for of eating of the forbidden fruit, of doing what they did looking at different things in life, and I'm looking at different things, and I say, okay, this was a physical act that happened. But God says nothing going into the man can defile the man. So I don't know if it was the fruit he ate or whatever, but I know the sexual union You can't join your body to somebody else's body, or you make the body of Christ a harlot. Your body no longer belongs to you, so the body is important. Mm. So that spiritual union, what he births us again, to be joined to other gods in idolatry or covetous, to follow another precept, another tenet other than the Bible. Causes us to be adulterers. Because adultery in that sense. Starts to be spiritual. The union is spiritual. And the worst thing you could do. Is commit spiritual adultery. So he uses the language of physical adultery. Physical unfaithfulness. That that union. Brings about. Bastard children that's not of the Lord. So God says any tree that he had planted, any union that was not of God. He said he formed Jeremiah in the womb. He forms us all in the womb. So through a physical union, seed is given birth. Just like when you come into the church and you you hear the preaching of God and that word enters you, and that spirit comes into you, you are born again. You start to grow just as that spirit was placed in Mary, and she start to grow, the spirit in her that was conceived was of the Holy Ghost. So of her seed, a physical seed within her, that united with her seed, the seed of the woman, so Jesus was born of a woman, but he was a man. Yes, He was a man. Mary gave birth to him. So now we have a man that's born of God. The son was given, but he's born of a woman. And we believe on that man. And that's why when we begin to believe, we have eternal life. The same eternal life is that man has. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. He given us his life. God becomes our father because of that union. God becomes our father because he's the firstborn of many brothers. Mm-hmm. Yes. So now God is our father. And even though we're physical, we may not ever die. You know, now, the way life goes, there are many have died. But he says the righteous are taken away in their rest and death but those are the ones that are resting in Christ and Jesus is going to bring them back when he comes back in his physical but not a terrestrial body. That same Jesus is going to come back again for us. Don't don't stop believing in the resurrection and don't stop believing there's a second coming of Jesus Christ and we're going to be just like him. Just like the Jesus, that's the return. But to be that way, we have to eat of his fruit. We have to eat of the tree. This is the tree of life. This is the bread of life. If we don't eat of this bread that was broken for us and drink of his blood that was shed of us for us, we have no life in us. So this is what gives us spiritual life. And see, we didn't stop believing in spiritual. Uh, right now, this is the holiday season. How many people stop paying tithes and offering, stop doing anything for God, and they put more on Thanksgiving and Christmas? The church is suffering. If you look at the TVs and things, it's many people that are not giving to the church at this time. But then we have a whole lot of other people that are blessed or idolatrous, or covetous, or whatever, and they're doing all of the work. They're feeding the needy. We see the church is feeding the needy and doing all of these other things. That's because they're dependent upon works for their salvation. Not not all of them. It's a remnant. But that's what they're looking for. So that there are many people that have physical blessings. And that's what the church at Laodicea was. The church of Laodicea didn't have need of anything. Hmm. So, these people are not walking in the precepts of God. Hmm. They're not keeping the precepts. Now, what's a precept? And I'll tell you about a, uh, a tenant. And what's a precept? Because... That's what they were contradicting or talking against Elijah. I mean, Isaiah, because it says, you teach precept upon precept, line upon nine, here little and there little. We know Paul told, told Timothy and told the rest of, study to show yourself approved a worker that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study the scriptures, they're able to make you wise unto salvation. So this is your life, But the majority of the people don't understand the scriptures, and they don't keep the scriptures. They're not a doer of God's word. They're afraid of man. That's why I say divorces may have to come. Lost friendships, lost relationships in the home has to come. That's because Christ is birthing some people again. But those that are not born again are going to yield to the forces that are greater than them, and they go stoop to idolatry. they go stoop to covetousness. They would rather rob God, or they would rather cross God than they do man. They don't actually believe what's being preached or taught. Whereas the one that's willing to die for these are the reprobate, the ones that misunderstand the most. A precept is a command, a principle intended, especially as a general rule of action. It's a command, a principle intended, especially for a general rule of action. An order issued by legally committed constituted authority to a subordinate official. So these are the precepts of God. But an understanding of a precept is not a legalistic means of existence. In other words, a lot of time people say, well, this is what the Bible says, and this is what the law says. But he gave that because you didn't know God. You didn't have a heart bent for God. You didn't have a heart to follow God. That's why, because of these transgressions, a lack of fellowship or knowing of God, in which Jesus knew God, He knew the Father. So the law was given because of transgressions. We were trans. So the law didn't come to some four hundred years after Moses. I mean, after Abraham. But Abraham was accounted righteous, and He imputed righteousness to Abraham. And here Abraham is pleading because. Sodom and Gomorrah is not righteous. And we know that Jonah went to Nineveh and preached to them to repent. And they wasn't a Christian nation. They supposedly didn't know God. But we've noticed that Nineveh did repent in mass. So the law didn't come to some 400 years after Abraham. After they were in bondage all of that time. But it already gave them the Sabbath. And we know Enoch had walked with God and God had taken Enoch away. We know Noah had found grace in God's eyesight. So there has to be a principle of something operating that makes a difference in people and who you are. That's an invisible principle, invisible standard seeds that are out there. And it says the sons of God... Married the daughters of men. What made the difference? So that's what I'm saying. There are two seas in the earth. There's two different groups of people, but within those groups of people, one group may not have metamorphosized yet. In other words, hadn't become all God had meant them to be. In other words, they hadn't been born again. So sooner or later, God opens up their eyes. In birth, and now that they, they can cry, Abba Father. Amen. Now, a synonym, synonyms for precept, and you have to choose the right synonym when we're talking about this. And that's why I say the church is not teaching these things because under grace and truth, there's a guise where you re- use religion and interpret and explain religion to your own advantage. To what you believe it should be. And that's propaganda, in other words. That's what this nation has used it for. One of the most hypocritical mm-hmm. nations ever was this nation. I, well, I, the Christianity I have seen enveloped in the last five to six years or seven years, as I come to understanding of God, I can see why the churches and a lot of people are leaving so-called institutional Christianity. And that what's going on because God's working mightily or not, and a lot of us don't see God working and don't understand. It's because we're not studying God's word. We're not doing God's word. We hadn't been broken. The circumstances and situations in our lives, we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We overcome and we don't need God. That, that, that's the thing is you're your own God's. The people around you, your spouses, your children, those are your gods. In other words, there be many gods, these idols. And that's why it says you ask your idols, ask these other gods to save you. Because I have a set of rules of standard and that's what righteousness is. It's God's laws. You remember I said that's what shapes and forms and make your character. So we don't do these things in here because that's what God says, and that's the law in a legalistic way. No, they are written up on our hearts, and that's who we are. So I don't have to wait Thanksgiving or some other time to feed the needy. I'm feeding the needy because that's a part of who I am. I am have compassion and help other people because that's who I am. That's... I I see now where I went wrong, that I was influenced and I was a part of this world. But that's not who I am. That's why we have to be able to see our parents. Was your parent uh, adulterous? Did your parent have different, uh, your brothers and sisters have the same father? Did your parents go around, what kind of life they live? See, because you can observe your parents and know how they live. And so God does it in the book of Ezekiel and the book of Deuteronomy. He doesn't hold the parent, I mean the children, liable for the sins of the parent. They don't have to commit the same iniquity the parents do. And that's why most parents come back and teach children, that, son, don't do this because I've done it. This is not the right thing to do. So society teaches us about marriage. That's what happened with Abimelech. Abimelech taught Abraham, Abimelech is the one who told Abraham that you didn't cause sin to be brought upon us because you've lied and said that this woman was your sister and that she's your wife. Abraham feared Pharaoh and did the same thing because he thought that they were ungodly. But what happens is, so what has happened we have learned from our parents and been in our parents' religion. But do you stop and say, I'm in the Baptist church and this is what they're preaching or whatever. And I heard this from Gerard who He was a seven-day Adventist. And when I was listening at the seven-day Adventist, they put him out since then and he left or whatever. Because he stands for truth and he says, follow the Bible, follow scripture, follow the doctrine. Don't be dogmatic. Don't stand up for tenets of the denomination. In other words, what's true is true, and God's going to show you what's true, and people or denominations will mark you and stand up against you when you go the right way. But God shows us the invisible things. We have a time that we have to walk alone and make decisions, and unless we make the proper decision, We start to become blind because we're not doers of God's word. We're not children of God following our father. We're children of the devil, the desires and deeds of our father, the devil, we will do. So there has to be a pull against what you were. That's why I say with my family, a lot of times I was kind of the stick in the mud. With my brothers and sisters sometime I was to stick it in the mud. I'm still not with my family. You know, with Thanksgiving and holidays, I think now all of this have gone off the rails. It's not what's advertised. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving and Christmas, and all the, these are things are not what's advertised. And I start I understand what God says your new moon and your festivals and all of these things, as it says in Isaiah, he says away with it. I will not smell in your assembly. I will not be. In other words, you get together. You have your fellowships. You have your feast and all that. And But that the reason God does it that way, there's an end for that. Mm-hmm. Because you are physical, and as you die in your physicality, I've extended my hand. I've extended wisdom unto you. Wisdom cried out to you. But you rejected it, you didn't receive wisdom. So you had an opportunity for these things. God had called through wisdom, his Sophia, and you didn't hear when wisdom comes. Now, when your calamity comes, when your destruction comes, listen to Romans 1st chapter 18 through the 23rd verse. For God does not overlook sin and the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold their wickedness, suppress, and stifle the truth, because that which is known about God is evident within them, that is, in their inner consciousness. For God made it evident to them, for ever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through his worksmanship, all his creation, the wonderful things that he made, so that they, they who fail to believe and trust in him are without excuse and without defense. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God of give thanks. On the contrary, they became worthless in their thinking that he is, godless with pointless reasoning and silly speculations. And their foolish hearts was darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory and majesty and excellence of the immortal God for an image of worthless idols and the, and the shape of mortal man and birds. So here, at some point in time, God appeared to your consciousness in grace. In grace he did. Because Jesus Christ comes from grace and truth. Was it a physical man or something that came and told Noah to build this ark? Or did Noah actually act by faith in building this ark? When Abraham drew back to the knife to slay Isaac, Did he have a living proof that God was going to raise Isaac from the dead and that he seen this through a surety? Or was this just that he believed God and reacted in in, in a consciousness of some kind of awareness of what he was doing, that he believed that that was God and that was God telling him to do that? See, now we, we, we say all these things, and that's why we don't grasp the scope of God, is that we honor him with our mouths and we have an intellectual assent to what is being said. But can you actually be a doer of that? Mm-hmm. Are you just like your parents and everybody before you? You're just a windbag. In other words, a lot of talk, but without the fortitude to see out or walk out the belief. You're a double-minded man or woman. That makes you unstable in all your ways. So there's an unknown God. Paul came to these people that worship the unknown God in the book of Acts, the 17th chapter. And you do worship that God. But you you would only go so far with that God Are we understanding what I'm saying about these precepts and tenets? That the preachers and the teachers have told you these things over and over. And you remember I was telling you about the big picture was important. But seeing the forest for the trees is important. But that details do matter. That it's the little foxes that destroy the vines. You're not going to be able to do great things for God until you get all of the little things done. Because the little things do matter. That's what's hindering our life and our growth in God. Also, the fear of man. All of this brings about idolatry. So Thanksgiving and Christmas have become idolatrous events as to what I can see. They've become idolatrous events. It's not something that I look forward to. The man-made holidays that we have today—they were pagan in origin. Maybe not Thanksgiving. That—that that was maybe along the lines of the uh, harvest time. There was a feast God's people had during that time. But we've polluted and corrupted because we're perverse. We have a spirit of fear, and God hadn't given us a spirit of fear. As you act up against that spirit of fear, and it only comes by preaching and teaching. Yes. The church must teach these things. If I don't teach these things, I'll have your blood upon my hands. He says, you must warn me, Zeke. God had made us watchmen. So we know what we should be doing. But the idea of us doing that is so far fetched; it's so far along. Here in Christmas time, I remember when I first came in the Pentecostal church, I heard him going to this scripture here uh, from Jeremiah the tenth chapter, the first through the fifth verse. Hear the word which the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord: Do not learn the way of the pagan nations, and do not be terrified and distressed by the signs of the heavens. Although, although the pagans are terrified by them. That's alluding to the winter equinox and the winter solstice that comes on December 22nd. All of these were astrological settings and signs that were proven in the, during the older times of traditions and things. And that they learned of in Babylon or whatever. And it was also the origins of Christmas and a lot of other pagan holidays that crept into the church. Uh, it says, And do not be terrified and distressed by the signs of the heavens, although the pagans are terrified for the, by them. For the customs and decrees of the people are mere delusions, in other words, exercises and fertilities. It is only wood which one cuts from the forest to make a god, the work of the hands of the craftsman with the axe of cutting to. It. They adorn the idol with silver and with gold. They fasten it with hammer and nail so that it will not fall apart. They are like scarecrows in a cucumber field. They cannot speak, they have to be carried because they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of them, for they can do no harm or evil, nor can they do any good. Uh, A lot of people use this allusion to this time of year of people going out with the Christmas trees and decorating them with all types of ornaments or whatever. And I think the allusion goes further on back to the Garden of Eden when Satan enticed Eve to eat of the tree of knowledge. Mm Mm-hmm that he said, that look at that tree. And, and that's what we worship. Each family, most families will have Christmas trees in their homes. And if they have to take their tithes and offerings, if they have to take their church money, but that's the poor ones that's doing that because the wealthier ones can do that and not miss a beat. So they tithe and offering, they're like the lay of the sins. But it's the poor ones that go around for Thanksgiving looking for baskets and turkeys and all of these handouts and things. But all of that breeds, what, covetousness. They got to have or whatever, because most of them are own pro- programs that are in these lines of doing all these things. All of this extra is just greed a gluttony or covetousness. I imagine a greater percentage of the food that was cooked on Thursday in those days have been cast out or is full in someone's refrigerator or whatever. So I can understand from God's point, and that's why I say we need to start seeing God things from God's perspective, where these are just vain holidays. Mm. That people will go in debt, they'll do all of these things, yes. but they're far, far away from God. Their minds and hearts. And God's going to judge these people, and that's why it says the judgments of God. And we see those judgments coming in at this time. But as I said, but what does it do to you spiritually? You you remember I was telling you about the union. Mm -hmm. So are you a child of God, a child of the devil? It develops your character and who you are. But the union is spiritual, whereas in the world it uses adultery or sexual symbol or whatever to show you the severity of what you're doing and telling you that your body is no longer your body. So us as children of God, we can't unite ourselves to the world or the things of the people of the world, but to excuse these things and make them to ease our consciousness and everything, we give it a name and say, oh, this is the day Jesus Christ was born on. We can celebrate this. And we're doing this for these reasons. So these pagan thoughts, a reasoning, a rationale has changed it. So now you're throwing out God's precepts. He said, by your traditions, you made void the commandments of God. You're worshiping idols. You're being covetous. And he says, consider these things. That's the one he's talking to then. So in the 14th chapter, when he starts to promise his people peace and prosperity, are you in the battle as a child of God and, and willing to die as a child of God? Or are you one that God's going to bring to judgment. Are you one of the evildoers? Are you one that God's going to cast into a a bed of death? So are, are our minds being spiritually enlightened to draw closer to God? Are we making a contrast spiritually? Because now all I can see is that the people that are standing up for Christianity really are not the children of God. But the children of God are not living as God's children, so that's why they're being taken out, they're being taken away because of fear. Of fear. And not exercising and doing what God has purposed or placed them here for. We have to start walking in the purposes of God. We have to start where people can see that we're the lights of the world and that these moons, in other words, these people that don't give light, that know the word of God, are not the actual sons of God. The the world is waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. Are we going to stand out in that crowd? There's Jesus Christ and there's Adam. Are you a son of Adam? Are you a son of Jesus Christ? A son of God. In Jesus Christ, you have to be part of the firstborn because there you become a brother to Jesus Christ, part of the God family. But in Adam, you become sin. You become a child of the devil. None of the promises are for you. The spiritual promises are blessing because you don't have a contrite heart. You don't have a humble spirit. You're not broken. Or are you the child of the adulterers? Those characteristics stand out. They're very prominent. You might can see them physically and it's hard, very hard to see them spiritually. But it strengthens the inner man. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, Lord God, I ask you, Lord God, to help me, Lord God, to to try to drive this home at this time, Lord God, that there be many spirits in the world, Lord God, but we have to be an actual doer of your word and walk in your way, Lord God, as children of God amidst this perverted generation, Lord God, so that we won't receive of their plagues, Lord God, that we remove ourselves far from evil, far from wickedness, Lord God, in the things of this world, And in Jesus' name we pray, amen Amen. and amen.